There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV friends. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Pastor Mike, and this is WCN-TV. We have a wonderful guest with us today, Tim Outlaw, the author of God's Plan for You. You're going to like this uh, conversation, so you've still got time. Let your friends know. Join us here on WCNTV.net, and uh, if we have time, we'll get to some questions and, and uh, answers. <clears throat> As I was reading this book, I uh, was reminded, in fact, Tim, you were, you were part of this statistic, um, a staggering 70% of young people who grow up in the church decide to leave by their late teens or early 20s. That is a, is a alarming statistic, uh, much higher than, than even I had thought. Something is seriously wrong since that's the case. And and listen, the church cannot be the voice to the community that it needs to be if it doesn't put a stop to that trend. And according to uh, Tim, one of the strategies of the enemy, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with this. In fact, I had a conversation um, just this morning with someone on this very subject. But Tim says in the book, uh, one of the strategies of the enemy of our souls is to convince people to rely on their feelings or their emotions rather than the absolute truth contained in God's word. So we are going to be discussing, let's see if I can get this right there. Thank you, Jonathan. Perfect. <laughs> God's plan for you. Tim outlines 21 core issues that he challenges readers to consider, and it's his hope that readers will find help in discovering God's unique purpose for them. Tim Outlaw was, has worked full-time in ministry since 2006, He's been involved in missions work in Asia beginning in 2010. In 2016, he and his family moved to Texas where he now serves as Director of Admissions and Human Relations for World Impact Now. That website is winministries.org, World Impact Now, winministries.org. 
org. So welcome to WCN TV, Tim. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. It's great to be here. Uh, you're very welcome. Enjoyed your book very much. Um, short, succinct, to the point. It's it's. Uh, I refer to books like this, Tim, as listen. You can sit down with a cup of coffee. You might have to fill your cup up once, but you can sit down with a cup of coffee, a, a notebook, and a pen, and read through this, and and really get some gems, some real nuggets of truth from the Word of God. I, I like the way that you structured it. It's it's. It's a 21-day devotional. Um, you you leave space in here for readers to, uh, again, I'm going to hold it up there, see that? You leave space in there for readers to take notes, jot down some thoughts. I thought that was a great idea. Um, so I think uh, you're going to do well, friends, um, to pick up this book. And it's available, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your yep. normal places. Um, is it available through any of your ministry websites, Tim? TimOutlaw.com. Yeah, TimOutlaw.com. They can get it there as well. Yeah. Okay. So TimOutlaw.com is there. Uh, Jonathan has it up um, from Amazon there. Thank you for that. So as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, Tim, the number of young people that are leaving the church is is really alarming. Um, and you are one of those. You are one of those young people yes. that... Uh, decided uh, i think i think i read at 18 you just kind of went off to do your thing and 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 that's not uh, unusual as the statistic <laughs> reveals to us but i guess the question is what brought you back and and well maybe what made you leave in the first place and then what brought you back how's that yeah i'll touch on both of those so yeah the first thing what what kind of brought me out of the church was a unique circumstance i don't think a lot of people incur so i grew up in the church my dad was a pastor um i don't want to get into all the details of why i left but the, the short it was my family uh again, dad was a pastor stopped going to church for a bit there and mm -hmm. so uh then as i'm you know graduating high school and trying to you know do my own thing uh, it became very hard to get into the church because like well where, where do i go what do i do mm -hmm. um and there was two years where i was out of the church i did visit i believe three different churches but as I visited those churches, what I found was it was really hard to find a place for me in the church. What I mean by that is, you know, um, my my background, at least with youth group, is like, you know, you might throw a, a pie at the youth minister and make a lot of jokes and it's a lot of fun, silliness. And then, you know, uh, Sunday morning church or like as kids in youth group probably a big church or growing up church you know it's like well can i laugh is that okay you know is it okay to clap in certain you know congregations and so it's a very different feeling and so i had trouble you know finding and getting a place where i felt like i belong um the short of what got me back involved my brother lee started going to church again he invited me and what really um well, there's two things from real with you that, that got me uh, consistently going back in church. One was women, right? I realized uh, at 20 years old, uh, I wanted to get married and the kind of woman I wanted, I wasn't going to just find randomly, you know, I, I probably wanted to be in the church to, to find a woman to marry. Um, and then the second one, which is a, just a huge thing, there is a guy leading a Bible study for young adults, forgot, you know, people that were college age, you know, right out of high school, that sort of thing. And him and his wife just did an excellent job of, of loving people like Jesus. I can remember one of the first times they invited me over for a spaghetti dinner, me and a few people, young adults, and I was kind of expecting, okay, what's what's the Bible study? What's the agenda? And no agenda, just 
come over for spaghetti. Let's get to know you, you know, kind of thing. And that that really uh, woke me up a bit. And as I got to know uh, Sean and Heather a bunch, you know, I realized, like, man, these people are authentic. They're real. They love Jesus. They want to see me love Jesus like they do. And that was, I mean, they, were, they spoke so much into my life and uh, in a short period of time and really helped me uh, recommit my life to the Lord and just yeah, get serious following the Lord again. And so, yeah, just finding that little place. And I mean, when I talk about Sean and Heather leading a, a, a group at, at the start, I believe there's three or four people in that group. So just having that little niche, you know, three or four people there, you know, young adults, I found a place, you know, in the church. And so that's what really helped me get back involved again. Amen. Amen. That's a, and, and I just love that. Um, I just love the fact that people, they don't have an ulterior motive. It's like, um, we're going to, we're going to make sure that we carve out time and have a Bible study. It's like, no, actually, this is just um, to get to know you and, mm-hmm. and, and for you to get to know us. Um, it, it really is all about relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a fantastic story. So um, I have to ask, Tim, did, did you consider at any time a different, uh, title for your book other than God's plan for you? Was there any, I mean, you don't have to tell me what it was if you did, but I'm going somewhere with this. There was a few different ones out there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause, uh, as you can probably tell, um, I've been around the block a time or two and, um, I've been, uh, born again for 39 years in ministry for 35 years, pastor for almost 25 years. Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff. I guess is what I'm saying. And I've gone through this era where um, when you mention to people, hey, God's got a plan for your life, you kind of get the eye roll, you know, yeah. like, yeah, okay, I've, I've heard that. That's like, you know, I hear that all the time. Well, what's the plan? Because my life ain't showing nothing. I don't, I don't, I don't see the plan. And, and so what I took to doing many, many, years ago was remind people, listen, it, it has become cliche-ish to a degree. I'll grant you that. But the scripture actually tells us in a number of different places that yes. God has a plan for us. And, and the one that sometimes slips under the radar for people is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, where the apostle says, for we are his workmanship mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And and I tell people, well, what is that exactly? God's prepared these things for us to do before before we're even born again. But it sounds a lot like a plan to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and so people, when they when they see it that way, uh, then they say, okay, okay, I, I, I can see he has a plan. So then the question is from your book, because you really emphasize this, God does have a plan for our lives. But before we get to that, we also need to understand, so does the devil. The devil, oh boy, does he have a plan for us, huh? Yeah, and I think that's honestly giving us a lot of our fleshly desires. I mean, um, goodness, if you think about why people don't follow the Lord, it's because, oh, he... God doesn't want me to have fun over here or do this or do that, you know, um, and people want to squander money. They want to you know, be promiscuous. They want to do 
a lot of things often um, that is not uh, permissible in scripture and that, you know, Jesus does not condone. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that that would be a, a, a core thing that uh, I think it keeps people from following the Lord is, is, you know, the devil uh, wants to give you your fleshly desires, you know, and um, it wants us to rely on money and things and not on Christ Jesus. So, yeah, that's exactly right. And there's so many places that tell us, hey, beware of the strategies and the methodologies and then all of these things that the enemy is throwing out there. And and I think as believers, sometimes, Tim, we we do we do folks that are that are uh, being drawn to the faith. We do them a disservice um, if we don't tell them point blank. Listen, the things and the struggles that you're going through, you should consider that perhaps this is this is supernatural in origin. Absolutely. And 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 we do have an enemy, an enemy of our souls that wants to drag us into destruction. And maybe, just maybe, the things that are happening to you are are a result of the plans of our enemy. It's not God's plans for you. He has something special and beautiful, restorative, um, bringing reconciliation, um, returning what 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 the enemy is trying to rob from you or has robbed from you right now. I think that. Uh, People will listen to that. It's it's not only um, affirming where they're at. I understand. I understand what you're going through, but it's also giving them hope, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So most Christians, when we talk about God having a plan uh, for their lives, most Christians, um, at least has been my experience, most Christians don't understand how they can come to know what God's plan is for them in, in their lives. So what would you say to those people say, I have no clue what God's plan. I don't, I won't, I don't even understand how I could begin to understand what God's plan is for me. What would you say to those folks? Yeah, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, <laughs> and that in my experience in ministry, that is the number one question I was asked, hey, what is God's plan for me? Or how do I know what direction God has for me? You know, something along those lines. And so many ministers I know, especially youth ministers or people that are dealing with, with you know, uh, people in high school and college, that's what they get. Like, hey, how do I know, you know, who to date, uh, what job to take, what career to, you know, what major to have in college, that sort of stuff. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about my, my experience with it and stuff. I can think back to when I, you know, recommitted my life to the Lord at 20 years old and, you know, girls, women were, were heavy on my mind. And I can remember asking a lot of guys and, and they were, their advice was good, but it was, it was brief. It was like a lot of times in passing. And so they're like, Hey, read God's word, read God's word, look at the Bible. You know, that, that kind of answer is what I got as I'm, you know, trying to find out, okay, who's the woman to date, who's a woman to marry, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, uh, I can remember once coming across like Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And just completely taking that out of, out of context and thinking, okay, well, yeah, she rejected me six times, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Right? So ask her out again, right? And just keep it, in, you know, in that sort of mindset. Um, but obviously that's not uh, what we're supposed to do, right? And that's taking that passage out of context. Um, mm -hmm. 
but you know, I, I know now looking back at what, you know, what these, these mentors and leaders are telling me is that, Hey, look at God's words, say the Bible, what they're telling me when I'm looking at, okay, who do I date? It's like, Hey, start with knowing God's word and walking that out. All right. A Proverbs 31 woman, you want to look for that, right? Uh, scripture says, don't, don't be unequally yoked, right? Make sure you're dating a Christian. Make sure you're only seeking after other Christians, right? Um, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, you know, all, all those does, does the woman you're, you're pursuing or are going to date, does she have these things exhibited in her life, right? So those are the kind of things um, I know we're supposed to look for. So it starts with, hey, are you applying the things you know from Scripture, right? I think that's where it starts as we seek out God's plan for our life. And, and you know, when we know Scripture and walk it out, we really do start to see God's plan for our life. And as simple as I'm saying, like, you know, when you're looking for a wife, you walk out those Scriptures, that's going to really help you, you know? That's exactly right. Um, so I just remembered, um, and, and at the time I said, man, this is, this is gold. Um, a pastor I was talking to, he's, he's up in South Chicago, uh, suburbs. And, um, he was talking about when he, um, counsels couples that are intending to marry and, and he takes them through that process. Um, he asks them uh, two questions. Each, each of them got to answer this, and, and they answered in front of one another. And he says, um, those two questions are this. Who are you discipling? Mm. And who is discipling you? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I said. I said, man, that's gold right there. I, I'm going to inquire. I, I, I've done this for years and I never thought, I mean, we teach on it all the time, don't we? Yeah. The importance of discipleship. I mean, that's what missions is. Um, but I never thought to incorporate that into marriage counseling, but I do now. So, so discipleship is very, very important. Um, and that, that leads to the next question um, that I'm interested in hearing you um, elaborate on. Tim. Mm -hmm. um, and this is this goes back to the conversation that I had um, this morning, a, a rather lengthy conversation. Um, and it and it dealt with feelings and emotions. Um, it seems that uh, in the church today, the modern American church, um, we've incorporated or or elevated, perhaps would be a better way to put it, elevated our feelings and our emotions to a place of uh, absolute authority. Our, our experiences, um, we, we consider what we experience to be um, truth. And as I was having this conversation this morning, I, I told this young man, I said, well, I've got a huge problem with that for a number of reasons. Um, but feelings and emotions can bypass reason and logic and the, the truth of God's word. So, so there, there needs to be a balance is, is what I told him it needs to be a balance. We shouldn't discount those, but, but the word of God is the foundation and the absolute standard and measuring rod. It isn't, it isn't our experiences, our feelings, but 
but that's what we see happening today, isn't it? We ha we see so many people that are that are way over here on the experiential side, and they're taking that as the gospel truth, and not the gospel as the gospel truth. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, day one of my book, you know, it talks about you know feelings versus truth, and uh, I'm going to read from Jeremiah seventeen nine, which says, "The heart is more deceitful than all else; is desperately sick. Who can understand it?" And, you know, uh, it's just like you're saying, like, we're so focused on, on feelings in the culture today. And, you know, if I, I feel this, you know, I feel like I'm a cat. I must be a cat, you know, or craziness yes. in some, you know, that's an extreme. But, you know, I've heard stuff like that. Yes. And, you know, we need to be based on, on scripture and what God says and who God says we are. And, of course, you know, it's talking about the heart. And, you know, of course, God's going to transform our heart. Right. Uh, but even then. Right. Even, you know goodness, I've been following the Lord for, you know, most of my life. Even if I say I feel like God is leading here, I still, okay, does that match up with scripture? Do, mm -hmm. you know, I go to, you know, my pastor, I go to leaders, mentors, hey, is, is this scriptural, right? Is what I'm, 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 feel, I'm feeling, you know, is this true to scripture, right? Is this true to what God says? You know, you don't ever just go, yeah, I feel this way. So this must be the right way to go. Um, yeah. But that is so much how our culture is driven nowadays, and that is a hard thing to approach because, yeah, that's that's uh, a lot of how we live today. Uh, uh, not us, but, you know, the world, how the world lives today. So, um, but Scripture clearly tells us just in Jeremiah 17 there, right? It, you know, it's, it's not yeah. feelings. We don't le lean on just our feelings in our heart. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and um, certainly there is a place for... for um, emotion we don't we don't approach the lord without our emotions yeah. and um i and and i think this is this is a a sign that i'm in the autumn of my life and and the ministry the lord has has graciously given to to me and my wife kathy um but i find myself being um being more weepy if 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 i can put it that way just just touched by the lord uh in in the not just in the worship portion but even during the teaching portion when i'm going through the word and, and just um impacting me as i'm as i'm teaching through it and, and thinking about the, the wonderful mercy of, of god um so so there is a place for that are in, in fact let me let me just sell an uh, share an illustration that that i hope will will uh help people to understand what what I'm trying to say, what Tim's trying to say. Um, I often ask people, um, when God sent Moses to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go, and and uh, where did God instruct Moses to tell Pharaoh that the people were going? Now, most people will say to the promised land. And I guess that technically, <laughs> but they had a stop off first. Yeah. <laughs> So, so the father was calling his people to Sinai. He said, I want you to go three days in the desert and worship me. And, and if you read through um, the Pentateuch, then you're going to see, um, because it's reiterated again and again and again, that the father wanted his people to have the same experience of his presence that, that Moses had at the burning bush. The father knew the importance of the people experiencing his presence 
in relation to obedience because he knew what was coming, what they were going to be facing. And so I say all of that just to remind people, we're not saying that that um, we should be holy over here on the on the, uh, you know, uh, sterile, dry orthodoxy theology and doctrine and, and all of that, because that's going to be interpreted and, and applied in our lives. And, and we are going to be we are going to have certain feelings and emotions Absolutely. along with that. So Tim is not saying what some people might. It isn't it isn't either or it's and yes. both <laughs> yes thanks you for clarifying that yes absolutely yeah and yeah. you know as you're talking about the israelites i was just talking to someone the other day um when i was reading in numbers you know numbers 13 and 14 talks about the 12 men that went to spy on canaan and you know um in numbers 13 of this verse 2 you know it says you know the land i am giving you right the lord is giving them the land but then we see except for joshua and caleb the israelites just they're, they're fearful, right? Because there's giants in the land and all this stuff. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So uh, send men to spout the land of Cain, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Yeah. And I thought it was so fascinating that, you know, all the Israelites, except for two guys, you know, just basically cried out in fear. And it's clear God is giving the land. But what happened? Their emotion, right? Their feelings got in the way, that fear. And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. And boy, don't we know it as Americans, how um debilitating fear can be we've seen that in the last couple of years and it's been and that's one of the one of the tools in the enemy's tool bag that he will certainly pull out and use and does so with expertise um that is for sure so <clears throat> moving on to mercy now mm -hmm. here's a, here's here's a statement that caught my attention uh tim you said accepting god's mercy gets us in the game gets us gets us in the game accepting god's mercy gets us in the game uh what do you mean by that yeah so i mean i my experience especially in youth ministry is um you know students want to want to come they want to know okay what direction what plans does god have for me but they want to continue everything they're doing the same right being made promiscuous you know telling dirty jokes watching whatever movie listen to whatever music they want to not change the thing but god speak to them in a burning bush and tell them exactly what to do and you know that that's just not <laughs> that's not not what we see in scripture right um when we accept god's mercy you know what i'm saying is we put our faith in jesus christ then we can begin to understand God's plan for us. And like I said earlier, it starts with reading and applying God's word, right? We can't just be disobedient to all his words doesn't expect, you know, a still small voice to speak to us and say, hey, you know, maybe this is the girl for you or maybe this is the job to take. Um, we need to be obedient to what he says. Yeah, we got to accept his mercy. That gets us in the game. And I use a lot of sports illustrations. But yeah, um, we want to be in that game. We want to know that game plan. Um and, you know, we can't do that until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And obviously this is a book for believers. So I put that pretty early on so people realize, hey, I got to have faith in Jesus to, to know this and walk this out. But uh, unfortunately, I have experienced people that don't really have a faith in Jesus. They just show up to church thinking, um, oh, maybe I can get some direction here or there without, you know, uh, putting my faith, you know, in, in Jesus and, and having him as my Lord and Savior. Right. And, and giving up things, surrendering things to follow him. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Uh, 
showing up and hoping that, you know, you can get three quick tips to yeah. straighten me out. And I'll be good for another week or two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the father's mercy, it's just amazing. The, the depth of it and, um, it's just profound to me when I, when I think about his mercy and it's, and it's so powerful um, in drawing people to repentance, to saving faith. Um, I think that's why the enemy goes to such lengths to try and convince people. God can never forgive you. God can never for his mercy. Isn't for you. It's, you've done too much. You've, you're just, why don't you just stop? Don't bother. Um, that's just simply a lie of the devil, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> Nothing to add to that, yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, you move on to, to submission. Now that's, um, <laughs> oh boy, I've seen some fights over that. This whole idea of submitting submission and and it doesn't matter what the context is it, because there are there are several contexts in the scriptures, but this idea of submission um, it's it's almost treated like a dirty word today. Uh, <laughs> why do you think so many people uh, don't want to embrace the biblical notion of submission and 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 in what context do you mean that by the way? Yeah. So I think first thing, and I don't know why our culture rejects that idea, but it seems like it's growing ever more in, in American culture. We're rejecting the idea of submission being a good thing. I mean, mm -hmm. any job I've ever had, you have to submit to your boss. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them always, but you have to submit to your boss um, in school. You know, there's submission to teachers, to authority figures. Um, you know, if you get pulled over, you better submit to that officer. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's just a, a, a you know, a, a thing that's been well established throughout history. But yeah, um, what I'm saying here is, is, you know, and we see it in scripture, and that's, that's uh, you know, uh, in Romans that I spent several days on in the book, um, we have to submit to Jesus Christ. Um, you know, if we're not, we can't give this thing to Christ and say, hey, Lord, this is yours, um, <clears throat> then it's likely not in his will for you. Um, and, you know, what's so funny is, is you know, I know I, I was rereading this um, and this book, and uh, I was to tell my wife, you know, hey, hey, so like one thing we're, we're looking at schooling for our son, right? Because he's about to be in, you know, kindergarten age. Do we homeschool, private school, public school? What do we do? And praying about that. And I'm going through the book and reading about submission. I'm like, man, have I submitted this idea to Jesus Christ? Have I said, God, this is yours. If you want us to homeschool, we're going to homeschool. If you want us to, you know, move to a different neighborhood for a public school, you know, or just stay where we're at or what you want us to do, right? And so it's that whole idea that, hey, I'm handing this over to you, Jesus. What do you want us to do with this, right? And just giving that up and saying, I, I want you in the midst of this. I want you to direct this. And I think often we we have our own ideas and we're like, hey, God, I want to do this. Is that okay? <laughs> and that's not submission, you know? The whole idea is, God, this is yours. You know, we, we won't want your best in this. So. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is my favorite passage in all of Scripture. Yeah. Um, if, if, if I was to, to use a modern um, idiom, it would be my, my life passage. It's, it's the one that the Lord just impacted me the most powerfully, powerfully through. And so this idea, thank you, uh, Jonathan, this idea of submission, of course, is, is uh, 
from verse one there, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So that's that's a good place uh, to start. And that's a good uh, understanding um, of uh, what submission really means. Verse two, though, carries this, you know, another idea, introduces another thing. It's it's really the process of sanctification, yep. experiential life sanctification. So, so verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So transformed, and we know elsewhere in scripture that God says that his plan for you is to be conformed into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, so, so the challenge then, especially for young people today, <laughs> is, is, am I going to walk, now they wouldn't call it this, am I going to walk in sanctification and holiness and righteousness? Am I going to walk in a godly manner or am I going to model the world? There's a, that's a challenge today, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, goodness, I say it in the book, you know, uh, the book is about five minute read a day. It doesn't happen in five minutes a day. It doesn't happen in an hour on Sunday. It is a lifelong process, just like you were saying. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a daily struggle, right? Like, hey, I, there's so much in the world, right, that tries to mold us, you know, radio, television, you know, internet, uh, your phone, oh my goodness, all the stuff on your phone, right? Um uh, just yeah. going into a coffee shop, right? There's so much that tries to mold us, right? And then often we spend, you know, uh, at least I hear, you know, people spend five or 10 minutes in God's word and expect that to somehow supersede, you know, everything in the world. You got to have a lot more, right? Acknowledge God throughout the day. And um, yeah, uh, we just, we got to be transformed daily and be seeking that out. Um, and yeah, lifelong process. And I think, uh, Goodness, we need to memorize scripture. We need to have accountability. We need to have people discipling us, right? We need to have mentors. Um, there's so much there. And it, yeah, it's not a simple thing. It's a lifelong thing. It's a, uh, a big, big process. So that's yeah. the big reason I wrote the book to kind of help young people start that process. Yeah. And one of the things that you encourage your readers to do um, is not to be afraid to ask God hard questions. Because guess what? He can handle it. And, and here's the good news. He's got the answers. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, that's just, just real life. That's when I hear God speak the loudest to me. Um, when I hear, hear the clearest direction, when I hear a still small voice from the Lord, I hear something supernatural. It's when I'm just dead honest, God, often when I'm broken because of something. Um, but, uh, you know, if I'm real too, I think a lot of times we lie to ourselves and to God in our prayers. You know, we might, you know, uh, can't think of a situation offhand, but you know, we might, uh, act like, Oh God, I've given this all over to you when, you know, there's, there's a lot of us holding it, holding the situation back, or maybe it's, um, you know, a uh, different situation, you know, you're, you, you say, God, I'm praying in faith, Lord, that you would, you know, heal so-and-so or, or something to that effect. And, you know, you have a lot of doubt there. I think there's a lot of times we are not fully honest when we come before the Lord. And I think that's, that's important. We come fully honest before the Lord, you know, share our reservations, share our doubts. You know, and that's not good to doubt, but, you know, share that with the Lord. He knows it anyway. And uh, come before him honestly. And, you know, I see that uh, scripturally, you know, uh, in the in the book, I bring out the story of Gideon. You know, when the angel Lord comes before him and says, um, uh, God is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's kind of like, hey, 
where have you been <laughs> kind of thing and i you know i remember the first time i read that like man that that seems harsh they just brought that up before an angel of the lord and you know um but i think that's what god desires us to talk with him you know just to be honest and real like we would with our spouse or you know our, our best friend you know just to be real before him and again that's what i see in scripture and that's what i see in my own life when god speaks the loudest when we're real before him yeah ab absolutely tim um friends we are we are speaking with uh here we go author tim outlaw the book is god's plan for you a 21 day devotional some very pointed uh questions thank you jonathan i appreciate that um very much uh, one of the things that i've i've noticed over the years and and um and i'd even had this this uh struggle myself tim is um uh in the area of forgiveness um that is really a tough tough area uh, and the and, and the enemy exploits that exploits that in us and so we can uh, um we can allow that to really control us in ways that, that we're not ready to admit. And, and the Father is so loving that he gently leads us to that place where we have to just, we have to just get that out because uh, unforgiveness is, is, can be toxic and it can, it can uh, affect and influence not just the one that you're holding that against but it can it can influence other relationships there can be collateral damage in those other relationships um and so um i'm bringing that up because sometimes that's that's one of the hardest things to do is to admit to god listen i'm i'm failing in this area lord um, and this is to your point that sometimes we lie to ourselves we just deceive ourselves mm -hmm. um, um I'm struggling in this area, Lord. Well, guess what? He already knows that. Yes. And he is waiting for you to confess that. And, and with the confession, friends, comes cleansing, mm -hmm. comes, comes a complete um, washing of that uh, and, and cleansing of our soul and and our mind is released, and 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 then we can walk in that close fellowship again with the Lord. So if if you've joined us today and and you've got things you're struggling with, just give them up. Seriously, absolutely, give them up to the Lord. Um, he's prepared. He's prepared to answer your questions, and he's prepared to bring healing uh, into your life. So, uh, Tim, before we go on, I, I, this might be a good point just to bring up um world impact now uh, ministries what so they're is, actually changing the name to nation to nation nation to nation okay. <laughs> i should have told you beforehand yeah okay. um so nation to nation ministries is what they're changing the name to nation to nation christian university is the main work and that's what is the change the name because they have twenty thousand plus students around the world um, but or are you going to ask about me? Let me just share about a little bit about them. Or yes, yes, would you please? And Jonathan, oh, all the way to the right on that menu bar, N two N C U. Yeah, there you yep, go. Yep, that's it. Yeah, so that'd Thank be the you. main site to go to. Yeah. So um, what they do? That's who I work for. Um, they start Bible schools all over the world, you know, and that's what they're trying to address is the eighty plus percent of Christian leaders around the world that can't get Bible education because of the location, because of time, because of access, because of money, right? So what we often do is we bring in a hard drive. It's got 
video teaching, you know, bachelor's degree level video teaching. Um, it's got the quizzes, the test, um, everything they need basically. And then, so we go into these countries in Africa and South America and Asia, and we train up pastors and missionaries to lead these schools. And so, yeah, we've got over, um, goodness, 20,000 students in over 50 nations. And my wife and I head up the Asia work. Uh, we're doing, um, we're in four persecuted Asian nations right now. And, um, you know, I can't say the names of those nations because they're persecuted. But yeah, that, that's the main work there is to get those people trained. And man, we get testimonies all the time. It's crazy. Um, you know, we'll get 10, 12 page testimonies from some of these students. Wow. I know one um, that's really cool because I've just met him several times. This guy named Jacob. So he was a student and now he facilitates and leads two different schools in the Kakuma refugee camp. And that's on the Sudan Kenya border. And um, he's Episcopal. Okay. So that's one thing too. We, Cross all kinds of denominations. I don't know how many denominations are training up right now. We try to avoid the low-hanging fruit. But uh, Jacob, uh, he went through the course, and now his church there is just doing tons for orphans and widows. They're doing tons to reach people, to evangelize Muslims. Um, and he talks about how through nation and nation, he's learned to be salt and light. God used the word, uh, he's learned to be Christ's hands and feet better in, in the refugee camp. And again, this is a United Nations refugee camp. There's really no, almost no employment there. The church is doing stuff to create jobs within the refugee camp and, uh, you know, create jobs for those widows. And what they're seeing as a result of this, as they're reaching out people, as they're creating jobs, as they're you know, ministering to orphans and widows, they're just seeing exponential growth in the church. And um, like I said, he's got, he's facilitating two schools there now in a refugee camp. So that's that's a little bit about well, what Nation Nation does. And, you know, they try to get into those areas where, uh, yeah, they otherwise wouldn't have Bible education. Yes. Well, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, um, Tim. One of uh, one of many things that I've noticed over the years, and I, I'm realizing I'm saying that a lot. I'm giving my age up. I'm, I'm telling you, listen, I, <laughs> there's a lot of miles on this tread. So I, I've got. But listen. That affords me perspective, that affords me some insights because I've seen some things over the years. I've watched things develop. Uh, I've watched things um, arise, new movements, new thinking. New th and one of the things that I've, that I've noticed, and, and this, is a, this is good and refreshing to me, because I, I came out of uh, very early on, um, a denomination that was um, very much non-demonstrative in both in worship and during the teaching time. Um, you you were expected to be very stoic and um, well stiff as a board. I'll just say it. Um, <laughs> but but one of the things that I've seen in the last 40, 50 years is um, that Christians understand that when we come together, this is for the Lord. This is the yes. Lord's time. Um, we are gathering together to honor him, to show gratitude, to worship, uh, to be uh, equipped in his, in his word. Um, and that means that we're going to respond in some segments and in different ways. Um, but one of the things that I that I sure appreciate uh, is this fresh wind that has come into the church, like I said, in the last few decades, that is that is teaching believers that 
you should expect God to answer you when you pray. Yes. Because because I got to tell you, Tim, I didn't come out of that. I came out of a, a out of a denomination that said, well, we're supposed to pray because we're supposed to pray, and never, never once <laughs> was taught. And you should expect God not just to hear you, but to answer you. That's that's a glorious thing. And you talk about that in the book. Absolutely. I mean, it's so biblical. Um, actually, I had a note on that. So it's at Mark 11 says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. Yes. Uh, Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. And one of my favorites, James 1, 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting. And that's specifically talking about wisdom, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, we see it time and time again in Scripture, you know, to ask in faith, expect responses. And, man, yeah, I've seen that. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to grow that more and more. But, man, when I pray and expect things, expect God to respond to a situation, I, I've, I see God show up more. I mean, that's just the reality in my, my uh, experience there. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And. And uh, we say, listen, Jesus has already won the victory for us. Jesus has already overcome for us. And there are places in scripture that tell us, listen, because the victory is ours, we should be walking in that victory, believing for that victory. If, if Christ has already overcome and we are overcome, what does it say in the scriptures? Faith is what overcomes. Well, walk in your faith, walk in the victory and expect the Lord to answer. And, and most especially, I think somebody's out there that has joined us today, Tim, and God is calling them to an assignment. I don't have an impression what it is, but God's calling them to an assignment, and they're, they're wondering, well, how's that going to work? I don't have anything that's, how am I going to, hey, listen, the good news is where God guides, God provides. If he's calling you to an assignment, he's going to make the provision for you. And chances are very good. So keep your eyes open. Chances are very, very good that he's going to provide for you in a way that is unmistakably him. Have you experienced that, Tim? I have. Yeah, I was going to just say I have a testimony. I have actually a few testimonies. But the one I feel led to share, uh, when I was 22, uh, I took my first job in ministry. And um, just back up a little bit, make sure you know, listen. So, you know, I share with you, I was out of church from 18 to 20, struggled mm -hmm. because finding a place. So at 22 years old, I was in Colorado and I forget the name of the church, but I went to this one church service on a, it was a Thursday. There were thousands of young adults, 18, 25 year olds, they're worshiping Jesus. Wow. And I was just in awe. I was just like, could not believe this, overwhelmed by this. And I remember as everyone's worshiping, praying, God, why isn't this, why wasn't this in my hometown in Harlingen, Texas? Mm -hmm. And what I heard brought me to tears. I heard a still small voice from the Lord that said, Tim, why isn't this in Harlingen? And I, everyone's there standing, <laughs> worshiping as a kind of church people were raising their hands. And I just sat down just crying a little bit like, did I just hear that? Did, did God just, you know, tell me to go do work, you know, in Harlingen? And, and, you know, and I, I talked to mentors and leaders and, you know, it was about a year later, but I went back to Harlingen, Texas, and then started a young adult ministry. And, you know, um, at the time, I was not confident to teach, to preach, to do that sort of stuff. Um, but God is faithful, right? And so there was a lot of resources that were given to me that I was able to utilize and just 
so I just did a lot of leading discussions and, and you know, someone else was teaching and preaching and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, that's a big reason why I do what I do today and help uh, equip other people so they get confident to be able to teach, to preach and share the gospel. Because without those resources that were given to me many years ago, you know, I don't know where I'd be today. Right. That all those resources helped me become confident in teaching the word of God. But, yeah, God will supply it. Um, if, if he calls you to it, he will supply. It, absolutely. Amen. Amen. And, and hallelujah. That, yes. <laughs> that is cause of celebration. So so you share a story about hunting with a friend and, and what, if you'd, <laughs> what if you'd share that? What happened and, and what did you learn? Yeah. So. All right. So this is in deep south Texas this is a wildlife refuge called Laguna Atascosa, and they allow hunting just a few weeks of the year. But you're allowed to go out there, scout out, you know, where you want to hunt, that sort of thing. This is very dry climate. All the bushes and shrubs are very thorny. So anyway, we go out there, we're scouting it. Me and my buddy, we determine where we're going to set up our blinds and everything. And we basically set up about a football field away from each other, but we're separated by just massive shrubs that are full of thorns and that sort of thing. So then the day of the hunt finally came. Uh, we got out there as early as we could. I think it was like 5.30, something like that. It's still dark outside. And it was 40 degrees. It was raining, which 40 degrees is very cold for South Texas. Yeah. And, um, you know, we split off when the path forked. I had a flashlight. I followed the path. It, you know, I got rocks in my, my boot, thorns, you know. Um, it, it's a bit of a journey, you know. Uh, but I set up my blind. I saw three deer that day. Didn't get anything. But, hey, I saw three deer. Then I came back to the truck after four or five hours. It was very cold. Um, and then the truck wasn't there. I'm like, well, am I lost? What's going on? Long story short, um, I get to the ranger station. There's no cell phone signal out there. I call my buddy and he tells me his side what happened. So almost immediately after the road, you know, the path forked, um, he heard, oh, coyotes. So he starts running. And, you know, again, there are these thick brush that are full of thorns. And he's hearing, oh, and he's scared of these coyotes. So he just, like, powers, mans through these this brush, which had to cut him so bad because mm. um, they were not made to walk through. And he does that three or four times because he just keeps hearing the coyotes, oh, and runs through this brush. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and he, his, he's not using his flashlight anymore. He's running, you know, um, hands up and down and everything. And then he looks down after a bit. And he noticed his pants were gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he told, tells me all that was left was his waistband. So at that point, he realized, well, I'm not hunting today. And he, and he a little lost, you know, runs back to the truck without pants. And so when I called him on the phone, he's like, so I'm getting pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I use that story in the book to talk about uh, Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet a light to my path. Right. Amen. And so, uh, even though I had a, you know, it was cold, it was wet. It wasn't necessarily the, the nicest, you know, walk path, uh, you know, to see some deer. I wasn't running from coyotes. Right. I got to do what I set up to do. The path was obvious with my light, my friend who was full of fear and, you know, stopped using his flashlight for a bit. Um, you know, lost his pants, was yes. in fear all morning, didn't get the hunt. Right. So that's the whole yeah. idea. Right. Yeah. God's word directs our path, makes it obvious. Uh, the direction for us. Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> now that's a good segue um, into this thought. Um, sometimes uh, believers want to have uh, everything crystal clear. Mm -hmm. They 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 want to know 
steps, you know, one through 10, and then this and what the contingency is. And well, we can't really wait until we know everything because that's not how God operates. He, when he calls, he says, listen, I'll make provision, but you need to step out in faith. You need to put that foot forward and, and every place that foot lands and you continue to go forward in me, I'll show you favor and I'm going to provide for you, but you're not going to understand the total picture when you get started. That's, that's the normal case, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think I see that throughout scripture. I think of Gideon, especially, right. He had a lot of questions mm-hmm. at the beginning and God kind of, you know, I, I, I see that leads him step by step by the end. You see Gideon's faith dramatically increase. I see that in my life. Um, goodness. I've never seen God go, Tim, you're going to do a, B, C, D, E, F, G, or, you know, all these steps. Um, you know, I, when I shared about the, the college ministry, the student ministry, God led me to start, had no idea how I was going to start, just went mm-hmm. on faith. Um, you know, I think a good, for instance, my wife and I, we felt led to move to Houston. We used to be in, in Harlington, Texas. And, uh, you know, just through prayer, we felt a still small voice, something moving in us, stirring in us. And we're like, why does this keep coming up? This doesn't seem like this makes a lot of sense. Long story short, we finally just made a, made a trip. Like, hey, go check this out. Kind of like 12 men went to spawn Canaan, right? Go check out this thing. And uh, once I made the, the Airbnb reservation, I had then three pastors want to get together with me in Houston. One of those led to us equipping a hundred missionaries going to Asia. Wow. Now a good day for me, Mike might be equipping one missionary or one pastor. I don't have days where I equip a hundred. <laughs> so that was a big confirmation. Like, wow, God, God is, is in this. He wants us there. And like, then I realized what a melting pot Houston is, how amazing mm-hmm. it is to do international work there and connect with different cultures and different people from all over the world and, you know, get Bible training in their hands. So. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, so that's proof positive. The Lord, the Lord does mighty things and, and things way beyond our, Oh yes. Um, just, I can't even comprehend that. It does that in a, in a day that's amazing now the flip side of that is how do we <laughs> how do we acknowledge god in the little things that's his own book i think <laughs> uh so in in, in yeah. my book what i talk about is my friend cole who uh he came to youth group one time he's a very stylish guy he came to youth group wearing socks and sandals and the pastor kind of ridiculed him like what are you doing like you know that's not normally you dress usually very fashionable and he kind of gives this his his whole logic of all his dress, his shirt, his shorts, you know, everything. He's like, and then I came to my shoes and I thought, what would Jesus do? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought Jesus wore sandals, so probably I should wear sandals. And I already got socks on. So, so yeah, so um, I know that's silly, but, you know, I think uh, it's practice makes perfect kind of thing. But, you know, I don't think we're ever going to be perfect at acknowledging God in everything. Uh, that is a challenge I give everyone in the book is to try to acknowledge God throughout the day. You know, when you brush your teeth, when you lay down at night, put on your shoes to go to work, try to do that. Um, and I think as we do practice that out, I think that helps us right? to acknowledge God in the little things. I also, uh, my, my wife and I do, we have some of our favorite scriptures put up through our outer house. That reminds us just you know, when we're at our house, hey, <laughs> love one another and just simple things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'd also just throw out memorizing scripture, right? Um, if you don't memorize scripture, you know, how can you, you know, call that up anytime you need it? So um, those are some of the little things, practice and memorizing scripture. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. And I couldn't help but thinking when I was reading that um, an old hymn, 
count your many blessings mm. count count your blessings name them one by one count your many blessings see what god has done amen so as you recount that and and think about all of those things what what seem like maybe uh, a small thing when you gather all those things together they become quite the picture of the lord's faithfulness to us um well, Tim, I've really enjoyed uh, uh, this conversation. The book is God's Plan for You. The website is uh, timoutlaw.com. Um, and also Nation to Nation is uh, um, the, the uh, world impact now is changing the name to, to Nation to Nation. So make sure you bookmark those. Uh, let's conclude with one, one final question, Tim, and, and that is the one that you're if you haven't heard it before, you're going to hear it a lot as you continue to to uh, talk about your book with different groups. And, and, and that is this. What do you hope that your readers are going to take away from reading this book, God's plan for you? That God has a plan and purpose for everyone, regardless of where you are in life. Whether you're following the Lord or not, I know God has a plan for you. Um, he likely won't answer everything on your time frame. Or say yes to everything you want, but I know with my whole heart, and I know uh, from Scripture that God has a plan and purpose for everyone. Um, and you know, if we start and just open His Word, obedient to what He said, I think that's how it starts. So yes, 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 Amen. If you are living in faith today, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, it's because God had a plan for you. Amen. <laughs> this. The day of your salvation, when you trusted in Jesus, uh, did not take God by surprise, friends. He's got a plan for all of us. Will we walk in it and allow him to unfold that in our lives? I pray that you will. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's all we have for you today, friends. Thank you for sharing this program with your friends and on your platforms. And remember, we are live on Rumble as well. WCNTV on, is on Rumble live as well as WCNTV.net. Until next time, I'm Pastor Mike. God bless you guys. We'll see you then.